Today we have a very special episode of Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. In part two of this two-part series, Kelly will be sharing her reunification story between her and her birth mother, and we'll continue talking to one of her best friends, Kim Brains, about their trip to meet Kelly's mom, Donna K. Evans. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. You had talked about before how you just absolutely knew that your mother was a queen. Royalty. And you were a princess. Yes. And so you're now, what, the princess of West Virginia? It it was, as Kim is describing, very much a culture shock. It was... um, And especially... Having an adoptive mother that trains you from day one how to eat at the White House and reminds you of this every meal. In case that's going to come up. Correct. Okay. And, you know, my children even talk about it. I mean, that's – she's known for it. You know, Emily Post, you write thank you notes. and That's cool. Going from being raised in that culture and thinking that, you know, you are just unfound royalty – in my head. Right. You know, what am I going to inherit? Which castle is mine? Like, you know, that's the thoughts of an adopted child. That is awesome. And finding out that that was... The reality. Right. As far from it as you could... I mean... Polar opposites. Right. I mean, that's that's jumping off the Empire State Building thinking that there is this magic trampoline. And that's, yeah. Kind of bounce you right back to the top. That's like just jumping so off the yeah. curb on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was very different. It was um, in some ways very comfortable, like it felt right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I had no idea how to... Everything was different. Mm-hmm. Her level of affection was different than my adoptive mother's level of affection. And her – the words that she would use were very different. The way that she would speak to me was very different. And it was nothing that I was used to. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know, like like Kim, how to process it. And at first, it, it was a lot to take in. And it was very confusing. Um. Kim, why don't you describe Donna, my mom, and, and, and as you saw her and as our listeners would see her? Oh, wow. She exuded life 
like I said, was genuine, transparent. She didn't care about what people thought of her in that way. You know, she just was very much a real person, a warm person, um, loud, funny, um, a person that you could easily strike up a conversation with in the line at a grocery store and just feel like you've known her for a thousand years. Um, that would be, to me, the authentic nature of Donna. Really, what the kids today would call extra. She was extra. She was just extra, extra. <laughs> big hair, big eyeliner, loud voice, funny. She was not, I would not say that she was emotionally reserved from what I recall on my, my knowing her. Um, and I remember what you were saying, like, yes, she did talk different. She acted different. Her level of affection was different. I remember being at the house and you just looked in shock. It wasn't, they just, they brought you in and they're like, oh, by the way, here's everyone, by the way. It was like going from nothing to like an entire household. It was a whole party. People were in every room. I think she took you aside and took you into her room and she gave you a necklace. And I don't remember what the necklace had on it, but I, I remember you were in shock over that because she, I think she was very emotional at that point and she had called you her daughter and she said some very nice words to you, but it was a lot for you to handle right there and then because you weren't used to that kind of outward um, sort of a person who was just say, saying everything they felt. She didn't hold back. And I think you were just like, what? <laughs> she was not holding back with you. you. It was like she didn't skip a beat you were always her daughter. It never, the time didn't matter. The space didn't matter. When she saw you, it was as if it was always there all the time for her. And it, it was hard for, it was, I think, more of a challenge for you, I should say. Because I remember when you came out of the bedroom, you just looked like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that was a lot. And I don't think you were overly comfortable at that point with her, um, trying to find the word, the um, demonstration of her emotions, so to speak, and her feelings and her way of telling you those things. So up front, without anything to hide, you know, right. just who she was. I think a lot of that too was I was trying to, at the same time, process the guilt over waiting for so long to mm -hmm. find her oh, and feeling almost guilty towards my adoptive mom because I didn't want to take away from that relationship. Right. And yet it was it was really complex. It was really overwhelming and confusing. And I didn't know – I couldn't process it at that point. And I think a lot of that would be alleviated from having a an open adoption or a semi-open uh, adoption. Yes. That would have – You know, because then you know this person. Mm -hmm. Now – And then you're not – and then you're not grieving over any lost fantasies of, you know – castles right. and royalty <laughs> and you are able to know who you are and where you're from right and that gives you an insight and a different perspective than a very close adoption mm -hmm. like mine mm -hmm. was kim what was your favorite it can be funny story about that trip <laughs> Often ask 
nurture versus nature, and we try to put these things together in our head, but that was, that was it. There were so many other funny stories. Your relatives are hilarious. Um, I remember going with your brother, and I was searching for something in all of their faces that reminded me of you. Like, does... Do they have the same eyes? Are there, you know, always looking, looking, looking. But I remember sitting at some little pub or something with your brother and <laughs> listening to him talk. We were in a different culture altogether. Just listening to him talk. I remember you looked at me like, I mean, he was just saying some things and telling a story, but just the way he was saying it, you looked at me and I, I almost felt like you kicked me under the table like, don't say anything. Like, it was, we were in a different land and I just, I just laughed and closed my eyes just because I thought, wow. How did we get here to this place? <laughs> How did we get, yeah, like, you know, I think that we were also searching in our hearts, like, is this really your family? But then also I was looking physically, like, but I remember your brother had your eyes and, um, or at least something in your eyes, maybe the color or whatever, because you have pretty, <laughs> astound, you know, pretty eyes, but just, but listening to your brother talk, I'm like, this cannot be your brother. This cannot, this you two are two whole different things and the way he was just talking and the stories he was telling and the words he was using it was um funny (laughs) kelly there's a lot of stories in there (laughs) yes there is do you have any questions for her no i'm just i'm fascinated by the whole process is just because it's all foreign to me so this is neat yeah i would say that um it was an interesting dynamic in mm-hmm. that my mom really wanted, like Kim said, to not skip a beat in terms of all the years that we had lost. Okay. And that's a really strong point because that was true. And so she kept kind of – she had found her peace mm-hmm. in in that I was her daughter and I was not with her for the 36 years. She didn't find peace in the loss. But the puzzle piece fit for her right away. Right. And so she didn't want to lose any more time. She wanted she she wanted to know anything and everything. I remember at one point she wanted to look at my hands and see if they looked like hers. She wanted to look at my toes and was making comments about them. And it was it was that discovery feeling for her. And you're laughing, Kim, because you remember this, I'm assuming? reminds me of me and yeah things Where like am I? that. Now with the relationship with your mom mm-hmm. was that instantly a mother-daughter relationship or was it more okay we're adults now? In her eyes yes. In her eyes it was 100% yes. She wanted me to call her mom from the get-go. Did she that try was... and give you advice? Did she Oh she gives everybody she advice. She you? gives the guy advice yes <laughs> in the line behind you. Oh I mean, okay. She's she gives everybody you know, that, advice. that shirt doesn't go with those pants. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, she gives everybody advice. Okay. Um, did she scold me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She okay. she 
she spoke her her mind whatever it was whatever it was and there was uh i remember we went to dinner the first night it was i think it was at a chili's or applebee's or something like that mm-hmm. and we were standing in front of the restaurant and there was the big no smoking sign and she decided that's where she was going to smoke so she stood in front of the big no smoking sign and was smoking right and because that's what people do, right? They stand in front of the no smoking sign and smoke. I'm not going to say I haven't done it. Okay, well, <laughs> confession time. <laughs> and I remember a family walking up and looking at her like, don't you see the sign behind you? And her kind of putting both of her hands up and saying, what? You know, and right. because <laughs> that was what her. she did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was, as Kim said, it, it was very draining now i did look at her as a mother Mm -hmm. but at the same time i couldn't compartmentalize it i couldn't i i knew that she was right and i loved her but it wasn't that instantaneous mommy i'm home it wasn't like that it wasn't it was really shock like real true raw shock wow it was um yeah there were almost no words and she wanted me to meet everybody i think there was a grocery clerk that we had to go into the grocery store because she wanted me to meet the grocery clerk and there was uh a time she wanted me to meet all of her dead relatives so kim you 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 didn't get to go on this but you heard about this I think you were at the hotel. So what had happened was uh, her mother and two sisters were at the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And we get in the rental car. My brother goes. It's her and my brother and I. It's raining because it's Ohio. And it was, I think, March. And so we drive to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And in these graveyards, you drive pretty much up to where the graves are. So we're kind of in the middle of the graveyard mm-hmm. in our car. Right. And so she gets out of the car and she's showing me the graves and she's talking to them. And I'm just kind of wide-eyed staring at her and staring at the situation, <laughs> thinking again, I'm having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> and I am watching her and she's lifting angels off of people's gravesites saying that they stole her mother's angel. So she's rearranging everybody's angels <laughs> on their on their <laughs> on their gravestones. Right. And I'm just I'm watching and I I must have been wearing sandals or something because it was raining and my feet were sinking into the grass and the mud. So I'm standing there and I remember thinking it's 6 feet below, right? Like it's 6 feet, like I'm not going to hit the top of the coffin right. because I'm I'm Beginning to get really nervous. You know, she's not crying at the gravesite. She's running around telling her stories, rearranging everybody around her is convinced that, no, no, that's the angel. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm kind of laughing, not really knowing how to react. And my brother's very solemn and he's walking around. And so she decides she's had enough. Mm -hmm. So she goes and she sits in the car, the rental car. And, you know, the windows were rolled up because it's raining. Mm -hmm. And he's having a moment and is tearing up and talking about um, his aunt. And all of a sudden we hear this banging. <laughs> and I mean banging, on like pounding window. on the window. And he's he's crying. 
and I'm still kind of frozen and I'm turning around and she's banging so hard on the window. She was done. It was time to go. And we needed to get the car. I don't care if you guys are done or not. (laughs) Get in here. We're gone. And so she wanted to go. Like, it was done. And so, and there's no telling her no. So at that point, I mean, she was going to bang on the window until we came to the car. Yeah. So um, that was another moment that I... We'll never forget. I won't, because my shoes were now full of mud. You know, I'm sloshing as we're going. My thought would be, I'm sinking into this mud where these graves are and mom's over here moving people's angels and stuff i would be thinking carrie the movie where the hand reaches oh, up and yeah. grabs at and that pull- point at that point ron anything nothing would have surprised me <laughs> honestly i i was so I out of my element my uncomfortable right. not knowing should i be crying because you know here's they my biological my dead grandmother right. my two dead biological aunts i think there was an <laughs> uncle over at some point was I supposed to cry? Was I supposed to, you know, talk to them? I mean, what do yeah. I say? Hi. I mean, what, what do you... Never met wait? you. No, I never met but, you. Uh, and there wasn't a book that prepared me for right. it. And I didn't want their response... I didn't want them to, to think I was not sympathetic or not involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and your support staff is back right. at the hotel or whatever. Right, Kim. Kim wasn't allowed uh, <laughs> to come to the graveyard. I think uh, my mom had said that this was a family thing and she kicked Kim out. You were either at the hotel that or... Fine. That was fine. Yeah. yeah. I remember that was, I think, the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to take a breath because this was so overwhelming for me. I couldn't imagine how it felt for you. It was just overwhelming. Yeah. And so I think I remember I walked around a little bit, but you told me the story in so much detail, I really felt like I was there. I, understand, like, I wasn't there. doesn't fall too far from the tree right yeah that would be nature (laughs) exactly yeah that was pretty wild yeah do you have any other questions for no i don't think so so different than anything we'd ever experienced and i remember one morning um i think it was maybe the third morning we were there and we heard somebody yelling and both of us jumped out of bed and stood up because we thought my mom had come to the hotel and was yelling outside and come on yeah and so we literally were set on to sleep with the time change and jumped up standing at attention we were like right we were (laughs) we were ready yeah 
Oh, wow. And I remember For looking anything. at Kim going, did you give her the hotel room number? Like it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was really, uh, that was really an experience. That was, it, it was one of those moments I will never forget. And I never want to. No. Uh, it was, it was, yeah. And, and leaving was incredibly hard. Yeah. I really, I really wasn't ready to leave when we left. And that was tough. That was really tough. She, my mom had an exceedingly hard time when I left. Did she? Yeah, that was, that was really tough. Well, Kim, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Kim. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. I think it also highlights how it's kind of important to have a semi-open or open adoption. Yeah, I do too. You know, I, think I mean, it's obviously, crucial. there's cases when, but I think it's amazing what I mean. The different things that you lose out on of all yeah. those 36 years, you can't get them back. Yeah. And as much as you wish you could, you can't, mm-hmm. and you can't change it. And there's nothing you can do. No effort you can put in to mm-hmm. make it up and. No. And when you see the relationship that you can have with a biological parent Mm -hmm. and you don't look for your biological mother until you're 34, Mm -hmm. it's like if you could rewind time and get those years back, you would. If you'd known then what you know now. Right. Then you could do that. I mean, we all say that, but yeah, absolutely. But there was a good example. Also, I wonder, you know, if I had looked at 22, would she and I have both been in the same place that we would have been able to make the connection that we made? Right. It might not have, you know. Been the amazing relationship that it was. Yeah. There was some research done, and it wasn't a hugely popular study, but it was done by Ruth Moran, did some research on reunification. I think she may have uh, reunified herself. I found her research really interesting because it was very relatable. And I think that she nailed it. So she developed stages of adoption. And in those stages, which she defines as paralysis, eruption, loss and grief, and then empowerment, she says that the three factors that impact these stages are how successful the reunion is, the timing of the reunion, and the fact that most reunifications in adoption are females seeking their birth mothers. Really? And so the men don't do this as much? Not as much. As for up. example, my adopted brother, who I grew up with, has not searched for his huh. biological mother. He just figures he has what he needs. And... Well, see, that was that's a really good response because that's I had what I needed, too. That wasn't my reason for searching. Right. I think – well, the research says that women – who mother experience the bonding of a mother and a child and this can serve as a catalyst. Okay. That's one, that's one theory theory. Um, also that women gives more grace on displaying their emotions through, and it's a really emotional process. Yeah. I can say that it has nothing to do with fulfillment in for me anyway, in the adoptive family that I had. Right. No, no, no. Certainly but not it, to take it, away from that. At the that. same time, it was definitely curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I wanted medical history. The first stage that she talks about paralysis would be the overwhelming amount of information you receive and how you kind of withdraw and need your emotional space. This actually happened to me the entire first visit, which was about four days. 
the entire first visit, it was absolutely a state of paralysis. I was right. in shock. I didn't know how to respond. I didn't want to come across offensive. I didn't want them to think that I was an, you know, some uppity girl that just descended on them. It was indescribable and uncomparable to anything I've ever experienced. Even becoming a mother the first time. Right. This was more impactful emotionally because you don't know it's the unknown, complete unknown. Mm -hmm. And there's not enough out there for people to understand what that feeling really feels like. I think paralysis is a very good terminology and a very good explanation of what's happening. Okay. The second stage, eruption, it's when emotions wash all over you. Uh, they do hit at times. They would hit me at night when I was away. Okay. And that's when Kim and I would talk and process everything um, because we did stay in a hotel. So it was like stepping out of this new world and looking in on it. And it was the eruption stage for me, I don't think stopped for the first year. It would come, I know that after we left and I went home, I remember thinking, where do I belong? Do I belong in Arizona or do I belong in Ohio? And I remember even pulling up uh, houses for sale in Ohio, really? thinking maybe maybe I need to start building Ohio families because at that point, <laughs> I didn't know where I was. And I remember thinking... I found a connection that I've never had before. Mm -hmm. And I actually asked my one of my biological brothers, Clarence, to come out and visit me. And I actually he agreed to, and I think I flew him out within two weeks of returning home because I couldn't separate. It, it was like going into a dream that you could never imagine, mm -hmm. waking up. But knowing you have the ability to go back into that dream. You're trying to get back in, right. And so I, I flew him out and that brought so much peace when he was there. Because it was a piece of that dream. Right. So all in. of the sadness and despair and depression I had felt when I left was gone when he was there. And then when he left, it resumed. Okay. So then my mother came out and again, lifted immediately. And then I went through it again. And that is where her third stage, the loss and grief, came into play. There was a, a paradigm shift from thinking you're royalty and inheriting <laughs> castles to uh, a very different world. Mm -hmm. It wasn't ever a disappointment for me. It was a complete change of mind. Right. And so... And I remember my mother asking me, like, are you disappointed? Is this what you want? And, and I wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It was like if you were totally blind, totally mm -hmm. blind, and you've never seen anything and you open your eyes. But when you're blind, you're thinking this is what it's going to be like. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then. It's nothing like that. It's nothing. Indescribable. Right. And then closing your eyes again, so you're blind in a sense, mm -hmm. and just wanting to see yet again, even if it's only opening up just a little bit. And that's what those visits were for me. Right. 
they were another glimpse into Just the world. Just a peephole view. Yes. Certainly. Okay. And so there were lots of moments of loss and grief. I think it did take me at least a full year before I was able to really let everything sink in and really understand the process. Kind of wrap your head And stop head questioning everything, everything about right. who I was and what I believed in and where my roots really lied and mm-hmm. how do I view this person and how do they view me and what regrets do I have and what regrets do they have and how, how should an adult adoptee really establish a connection and maintain one and then her fourth stage empowerment and that's when you move beyond acceptance into growth of new self-knowledge and self-awareness i think that phase never really stops because you spend the primary you know your childhood without the knowledge in a closed adoption and without understanding fully who you are and where you come from and where your roots lie, that you will always crave to know more. And I think people who aren't adopted feel the same way because that's why, you know, Ancestry.com and 23andMe and those sites are so addictive and so enticing for so many people Mm -hmm. because they offer knowledge into a world you don't know about. And that's what adoption reunification is. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke-Scary and edited by Ron Raines. We also want to thank Building Arizona Families, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. A special thanks goes out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. And we want to thank Kim Brains for joining us today on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke-Scary, I'm Ron Ron Raines, we'll see you then.